Welcome to the University of Adversity, where the only rules of the class is to hold your head up high and keep moving forward. Because when the going gets tough, the tough get going. And now, here's your host, Lance ECOs. Oh, hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show. If you're new here, welcome to the family. If you're a regular listener, welcome back. So, today's guest, he is the host of the Optimal Living Advice Podcast, and he's a coach, and he's a fellow hockey player. We got into all of this stuff. What I really liked about this guy is his relatability. For you to have a coach and to have somebody that's going to mentor you and help you get to the next place, who you want to become, you got to have somebody that takes off the mask, somebody that can be themselves, somebody that can show their truth, vulnerability. That's what this guy does. We had a great conversation. We had a lot of fun. Keep in mind, we did go a little bit deep. There are some awkward parts of the conversation, certain words that may make people feel uncomfortable, but the context of it will make sense. And it's just the reality of the stuff that's happening in our world. Some people go through really hard things. You know, some people go through a lot of trauma and it's very hard to talk about and even hear the words sometimes of these things, but they need to be spoken about in order to bring them to the surface, to allow people the consciousness to be able to heal from that stuff or to be able to at least open their eyes a little bit. So Greg Audino, we dive into his story and talk about what he's up to and what his plans are as well. So I encourage you guys to listen to this right till the end, follow him on social media and check out his podcast, Optimal Living Advice by Greg Audino. Sit back, enjoy. You guys are going to love this. Greg Audino, welcome to the show, man. Such a good name. <laughs> Thanks, man. Pretty uh, typically Italian, but you know, I'll take it. Ah, <laughs> uh, bro. So good to finally connect. I know we've tried a few times, but you know, with yeah. life sometimes... You know, these, these things happen, but everything happens at the, at the right time. And as we were discussing technology with these podcasts and all this kind of stuff always act up. And it's just funny how you kind of have to expect these things to happen just like in real life, right? Oh, oh big time. Absolutely. Yeah. And like I was saying, you know, someone with as much repetition as you, you've done a trillion of these interviews and I'm sure you're having technical errors all the time. So these yeah. problems just go away. You have to learn how yeah. to do yeah. And it, it's always, it's always like that. And it's kind of like you get used to that and you just sort of go, huh? All right. That's going to happen this time. All right. Exactly. <laughs> you no, know, it's cause it, and then the more you react and get upset to it, I feel like things will just keep compounding to, you know, more of those kind of things will keep showing up. You know, the more you put that, if you get aggressive with it or get angry with it, like I've done many times, like, why is this happening? The phone's dying. Wi-Fi sucks. And then you feel like the entire day just turns into that, you know? Yeah. Well, that's interesting. When you say that, are you, are you speaking from like a, a law of attraction standpoint or a brain chemistry standpoint? Because well, you're making a both sides. Yeah. I mean, either. I don't know. Yeah. But it's an interesting topic regardless. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the reason I ask is like a lot of people... I think would probably chalk something like, especially people in, like in our industry, if you will, would probably chalk that up to like a law of attraction thing. However, there is a part of one's brain called the reticular activating system, which basically causes people to seek out, like sort of seek out patterns. And if there's a, a thought that's in their mind, like, you know, that's very active and strong and recent, 
they're more apt to finding those things. So basically it's like, if you just bought a red Corvette, you're going to start recognizing a lot more yeah. red Corvettes on the road than you did before. So the same thing could go for like technological errors. All of a sudden you're making errors out of things that are like barely problematic, but you're so much more sensitive to them now. So mm -hmm. it, 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 I guess it could, if you want, it could be like the scientific backing of, of law of attraction. Yeah. That's my, yeah that's all <laughs> well, bro. So you're doing some good stuff. Let's, I, I would love to give people a little bit of more background about you. I always like to kind of start from the beginning other than, mm. you know, the intro that I give in the beginning. I want people to know a little bit more about you from your own words. So if you could maybe take us back, you know, give us a bit of your journey into a young Greg's life and walk us through how you got to where you are today. Oh, shucks. Well, how, how far back are we going? Cause I could, I could go for a long You know time. what I love? I love that question that that back question because <laughs> I say, and at first when somebody asked me that, I go, oh shit, I don't know. But for me, it's like, whatever, wherever you start is where it's relevant for you to that, to this moment. You know, if it means I remember when I was two years old, then mm -hmm. if it doesn't, you know, that's the beautiful thing about the question. So wherever you want to start, man, wherever you feel is, has impact still in your life. Jeez. Well, I mean, everything's impacted it, but I think. All right. Well, I'll start with my like adult life, which isn't really that old. I'm, I'm only 28, but I, I started off as an actor and acting was something I was extremely passionate about. So immediately upon leaving college, I moved to LA and I was working full time as an actor for a, for a while. And it's interesting because that was my, it was my whole life and I was just saturating myself with it. But that being said, over time, that sort of what became the problem and where things started to turn, which is an interesting thing because, you know, a lot of people say that like in order to achieve what you want to do, you really need to give all of yourself to it, which is like, it's not a healthy or accurate statement. I, I understand what like the point of it is, but realistically there was no balance in my life. And like, you really, if your life isn't balanced in some ways, I, I mean, there's only so much you can do, but I was, so I was just, saturated with acting all the time it was a lot of fun i wanted to do it but over time my priorities were changing and it wasn't until those it wasn't until i you know the the lack of those those values became present in my life that i really realized how much i was neglecting them if you will so i think that as time went on and i like sort of forced myself to be more self-aware I, I transitioned to what I'm doing now, but like with acting, you know, I had, I, I'm far away from family and friends, one, two, I was just never doing anything for anybody besides myself. Three, I had like no control over my life, you know, as an actor, especially, you know, if you're, especially if you're working a lot, like your schedule is just like, it, it's, it's, um, it's all over the place and you have to be places like within 12 hours notice and stuff. So you just, it's so hard to plan anything. Four, I had like, I, I, I was just never really, you're always asking for something as an actor, like, especially if you're like not a celebrity and you're younger, like, there's just, you're trying to get from everybody else, you know, because there's a trillion actors. So even though I was doing what I love to do, it just like everything else in my life was sort of falling apart around me. And as that was happening, I think I started to lose interest in acting because it sort of felt to me like the culprit as to why 
other values in my life were being were being silenced. So, Interesting. you know, a few things happened. Like one thing that happened, like I had a, a really difficult breakup. And yeah, I mean, a lot of people have had difficult breakups, but I've always been like a particularly sensitive person to those towards the sorts of things. So I had this breakup. A lot of it was because of acting, you know, it, it, I mean, it, it wasn't, it wasn't, I it was a long distance relationship and the girl that I was with sort of had a lot of insecurities surrounding like the typical actor lifestyle or her image of it. Mind you, we were younger and like, so, you know, everyone has insecurities uh, around that age, but uh, like I, I devoted myself so much to my work and sort of trusted that she would be along for the ride that like, I probably wasn't being the best partner that I could be. So like, that was where it started to it hit me really, you know, a lot. And my recovery from that breakup was very difficult. And at one point I was like, I, I remember I, call, I, I was like reaching out to people that I knew I could, but after a while, I just felt like I was being a nuisance somehow. And I had like overstayed my welcome. So I found myself one night calling suicide prevention or I was going to. Not because I was necessarily suicidal, but because I just knew that they would talk to me. And that was a big moment for me because in that moment and in that time, I learned the value of being a listener for somebody, somebody that would listen and support unconditionally. So that's sort of where the scale started to tip in terms of me getting into self-development, which I think you might find in a lot of people in this industry. A lot of people get into it because they just want to sort of help people that they know are past versions of themselves, if you will. And anyway, so I, that's kind of where it started, you know, and all there's, there's, there's all this chatter as well about like, am I contributing enough? I'm not really doing anything, yada, yada, yada. I've always been really into like accountability. And, you know, meanwhile, like as everyone's on Facebook, like this needs to change, that needs to change. And they don't really do anything though. And and I was like, you know, again, I, I looked at myself as like, I would like things to change too, but I'm also sitting here not really contributing much of anything to anybody besides myself. So what can I start to do? And then uh, another thing was the election, the 2016 election. And like, you know, regardless of what side you're on, every time there's an election, you, you like all of these like real problems in the world are resurfaced. So all of a sudden now I'm like, you know, rethinking all of these like big problems in the world and all the people that really need help. And these are people that are like, you know, we're talking about like war-torn countries and things like that, let alone somebody like myself who like has a, a lot of blessings in life and, and looks really happy on the outside, but's also, but is also struggling on the inside. So I, I think this idea of like everybody needing assistance in some way just sort of started to circulate in my mind. So I, I started to think about like what I could do on the side to sort of bring more meaning into my life and more balance. And... Then the last thing would be <laughs> the day after my 26th birthday party, I was, I was hungover Sunday morning, cruising through Netflix, as you do. And I, I came across this, this Tony Robbins documentary, I Am Not Your Guru. And, you know, a lot of people have these like mixed opinions on Tony Robbins. I, I mean, I like him, but I love him. The, yeah, he's great. But the thing is like, th this man has touched so many lives. And like, it's really evident in that documentary specifically, but like he really like his whole existence is sort of like shaped around improving other, you know, the lives of others, which is like, it's just an immensely powerful thing. So I think, and you know, Tony by trade, like he sort of identifies as a life coach as opposed to like a motivational speaker or what have you. So I think in that moment, I decided that I, I wanted to start life coaching. So, you know, basically 
I've always been a listener and a good support system for like friends in need. So I felt like that was a good, my, that's sort of my way of giving back. You know what I mean? Like that's one thing that I just fall into naturally and I enjoy. So I felt like I could do that with life coaching at the time I was still acting full time. So like I could sort of schedule clients around my, my shoots and everything like that. So it just sort of seemed like a, like a good choice. So I got certified went through the program, went with, I uh, went through the program and yeah, I mean, the rest is history since then it, you know, life coaching, it turned into like videos that I, I like, I, I, I create these videos on my website and, you know, get yeah. some donate. And that's sort of like me blending my, you know, the, the videos are all about like, you know, different approaches to common challenges in life, but that's sort of like a way of me combining my interests. And I, I really like the content creation part of it. So like, that's a big crux of what I do. There's that, there's the one-on-one -on -one clients. I, I don't know when this episode is being released, but I, I'm going to be starting a podcast, which is so exciting. The guys over ask, at- I was going to ask you that. Oh, man. Yeah, I'm so excited about this, Lance. Do, do you know Optimal Living Daily? No. No, oh, yeah. They're a pretty big self-development podcast. Maybe I should. Yeah, they're great. It's a pretty big self-development podcast, and they are producing- Basically, their episodes, they feature, they feature articles from like you know self-help writers and everything, and they featured a bunch of my work. And, you know, one thing led to another and they're producing a new podcast and it's an advice column and they're having me host it, which is so exciting. Wow. So basically, yeah, it's great. So each episode is going to be, you know, we've already been receiving a bunch of questions from people on their email list and each episode is going to be devoted to me answering a, a different question that came in, kind of like an ask Amy sort of thing. And cool. uh, we've already been, yeah, it's great. We've already been getting a lot of good questions. I think as of now, like it's been submitted to Apple. They're just we're waiting for review and hopefully it'll be up in the next couple of weeks here. I, I'm so excited about it though. And so now with that, I mean, I could see that becoming like a new emphasis in my career and it, it, you know, it's great now because now I'll be writing every day between that and my videos. And it's, uh, yeah, I'm really excited about it. So that's the latest development. And yeah, I, I guess that's, that's, that's what I'll say now for my history. There's a lot. Cool, more. man. So it's very interesting because that life as an actor, I've had, I have a few friends and few people who have been on here that have talked about that lifestyle. <laughs> and I have, I have friends who have been going after auditions for years and, yeah. you know, how, how is it for you staying up? Like, cause you're comparing yourself to other people. You can't not. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, unless you're very good at tuning other people out, but how does, how did you deal with, because you're going to get rejections. You're going to yeah. get used to, used to, unless you land every role, which I don't think any actor does. No, no, you got to no. get really comfortable with that rejection feeling yet still be able to rise to the occasion. Mm -hmm. How did you, how did you, how did you deal with that? Because people don't realize like I, I, I've just, I'm working in bars. I've worked with a lot of actors and I've seen mm. a lot of, had a lot of these conversations. It's <laughs> tough, man. Yeah. Sometimes you're booking stuff. Sometimes you're not, you're going down these yeah. like lack of confidence. You don't think you're good enough. How did you deal with all that stuff, man? Because that's a, that's a real, it's a real issue. Yeah, it is. It's hard. Well, there's a few parts to my answer. Like, to be honest, like my journey as an actor was like, very fortunate because like acting is it's just a skill that i was sort of born with now i don't say that to sound like a douchebag because i don't think acting is any more or less important than like you know a painter or a carpenter or whatever it's just like a, 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 a it's something in you know it's a genetic 
thing for me. So I really never had a hard time getting the work. That being said, I still got rejected all the time because yes, every actor gets rejected a lot, but I was able to start securing work very quickly and therefore always sort of had this like, you know, this confidence, this reassurance, like there was nobody telling me I couldn't do it. That being said, you know, it's very easy to get insatiable, no matter who you are, what industry you're in or what level of success you're at. So even though I had a lot of confidence and a lot of work under my belt, yeah, I would still like, I would still get on an episode of a big show and then like be pissed off that I didn't get more episodes, you know, like, which, you know, and just getting on that one episode would have been a complete dream, like just a, a few months earlier. Mm. So yeah, there's this level of insatiability and, you know, as you're going into auditions and like not feeling good about them or whatever and getting rejected, it can still sort of harvest those same feelings. So I think the thing that really got me through that, which, yeah, the thing that really got me through was it was just being able to put things into perspective. You know, acting is like, it's very unhealthy because like, as I was saying before, like it is a perfect example of one of those industries where you're taught to put everything you have into it. So I think that what I, you know, I was putting more of it into it than I probably should have. And once I was able to sort of sit back and put things back into perspective, it took a lot of pressure off. Like once I was able to really look at what acting is and what presence it has in my life, I was able to see it for what it was and not, and you know, be able to identify like, this is just a job. This will never replace the happiness of my family, of my friends, of my home. Like it's just work and like whatever, kind of like money or status or whatever it brings me like these are not things to build my self-worth upon but it's again like a lot of actors because they are taught to give everything they have to it all of a sudden their work success does get tied into their self-worth which is again extraordinarily unhealthy so I think because I took the time to really get clear about what in life was more meaningful to me than acting that's sort of where like this idea of rejection and whatever like it all just started to dissipate because I went into auditions and I saw the casting directors which are the people you read for I just saw them as people not like gods or these fucking mm. like gatekeepers yeah. you know I was able to be more grateful for the work I already had done. I you know I, I was able to go in there without expectation and you know and I was able to go in there knowing that I could leave having done a shitty job and like still have a life worth living mm. so I think you know again once I was just able to remind myself of the balance I had in my or you know I could have in my life and all the other important things all of a sudden you know acting is just put it back into its right place and that's something that a lot of actors have a very hard time doing again because of this this idea of like you need to give everything to it and it's yeah. a fucking really competitive industry like yeah. probably the most competitive so like it's easy to fall into that thinking. That doesn't make it right though. Okay. So this is, this is great that you brought this up because not everybody can share the same realization and self-awareness in that situation. Yeah. So you're, you obviously learned there was some point, there's some certain point where your mindset needs to be dialed in. Mm. Right. And you have to have that ability to be able to, like you said, look at people just as people. You know, to be able to understand what you have already and, and, and the perspective, but some yeah. people can't. So yeah. what is, how did you develop that? Because that, 
that I find is really interesting. That could be very valuable for listeners out there because whether it's a book or a self-realization, you know, how did you develop that? How, what was it? What was, was there a moment or was there a person that you're sort of like, Oh wow. All right. That's going to open up. This is opening up some doors for me a little bit to train mindset in a different way. You know, it's hard to say. I mean, I think on the one hand, like I, I've just always been very aware of my own feelings. I've always tried to sort of survey myself and I've always, you know, like as an actor, that's something that you you sort of should be doing, you know, like, I've always prioritized how I feel about things and paid attention to it. So that was just no different. Mm. And I was able to look at how I was living my life and the things I was getting riled up about and just ask why and what the meaning is behind it. And I would encourage people to do that, to just really try to put into perspective things that they're getting riled up about and take an honest look. Because a lot of the times, if you're just getting pissed off about traffic, like how far really are you from like living sensibly? You know, yeah. these are not things that are worth being, that are worth your time most of the time. So I don't know. I mean, like that's, that's part of it. One thing that I like have always done since I was a little kid that I like over time, I think has really helped me is like, uh, so I used to, I used to like, I grew up when I was Catholic and I used to like say my prayers every night. That was like a, you know, that was a thing. So now, you know, I don't, I don't really go to, to church anymore and I don't really identify with like a certain religion so much, but I still, I still pray every night. Mm. But one thing I do when I, when I, or one thing I started doing as a kid was like, you know, I, you know, you normally like pray for what you want as a person or, as a, you know, especially as a child. But I remember at the time I was like, I can't pray for like, you know, wanting to be, wanting to become a professional hockey player like i need to pray for like god like please you know like fix this war so all of a sudden i started to like minimize my own struggles and instead all my prayers became prayers of thanks at like a young age so since i was a kid i've been like listing three things that i'm grateful for every night this like this is like a kind of platitude i think in self-help like this emphasis on gratitude but it's extremely it's an important thing yeah I've been in the habit of that for so long that it's easy for me to quickly see value in things that others might take for granted. So I think making regular practice of gratitude is a really important thing. And it can be minimal. Like it can, if you don't have like three great things that happen during the day, just say, I'm I'm grateful to have this warm bed to sleep in. So I think that's, that's one thing that I did. And yeah, I would say that's where it starts. I could probably dig up some more, but this is the thing that I, I just, I love to, because it's all perspective on these situations. We all look yeah. at life differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're going through the same similar situation, but some people react differently. Some people see things differently. And I always like to find out, you know, yeah. what was the reason, especially in acting, you know, what was the reason that got you these, that allowed things to flow, you know? Yeah. And, and that is, and sometimes when we do them, we don't realize how, because we get so used to doing them, it's like second nature, mm-hmm. you know, and then, and it's hard to explain what it is we do to get to that, yeah. that point. But then that's the thing I like to find out about that person because yeah. so many people are looking like, well, how did you do that? Right. Yeah. And I feel like you programmed yourself to a way that you just, like you're saying, you gratitude, your, 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 your focus is in the right places, which has allowed yeah. you to sort of have that success. 
Yeah. So it's not like you're just talking about it. It's actually how you show up is, 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 is what's happening too. So a lot of people just don't know where to start with their mindset. Right. Yeah. And I, I recommend to them too. Uh, just start with, you know, gratitude and sit in meditation, just be still because yeah. that's the best place to start. You don't need to go and spend 10 grand at an event. Of course, that's great to go see Tony Robbins live. He's amazing, but you could start small mm-hmm. little things like that. You know, yeah. like you said, being grateful for what you have. And it's amazing the profound effects it can have on your life. Yeah, it really can. Over, It's a total, it's a total mindset shift. You know, all of a sudden you're, you're, it's like we were talking about before with the goddamn reticular activating system. Like if you're, if, if, if gratitude is something that you're constantly emphasizing, you're going to be seeking it out more frequently and you're going to be, you'll be quicker to recognize, you know, what something is offering you as opposed to what something is taking from you. Yeah. You know, and I think because I've had, like, I've had that mindset so long because like the truth like i'm a very fortunate person like i have a lot of blessing in my life i you know so like it's hard to like really justify so much like anger or resentment towards anything when my life is just so full of gifts and you know not only is it easy to be gracious in that sense and i would assume that a lot of people just fortunate enough to have the technology to listen to this interview are in similar situations like it's like it's just it it goes beyond having gratitude at a certain point and it becomes like a responsibility. Like Mm. for me, like my life has so much, I've been given so much good, just like, like, like genetically. And, you know, like, you know, I had a a nice upbringing and of course I've had my struggles, but like I've been given so much that it's, it almost seems irresponsible to not like send the elevator back down and start offering good. You know, right. I think that's like you, probably the highest level of gratitude. If you, I, I don't want to say it. I have like, I don't know the highest oh, level. Of gratitude. That's probably stupid, but it goes beyond just being grateful for things mm. like being so grateful that like, it almost seems like an injustice to not give back and to not offer gifts in addition to just receive them. Right. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does, man. It does. What is one of the bigger struggles form of, of adversity in your life? that has shaped you to a point that has forced you to grow or has allowed you to grow because a lot of times the adversity and the challenges are what shape us yeah is there anything Uh, is there anything that's really challenged you yeah i mean i think you know it's tricky because again i just got through saying how like fortunate my life is yeah but in it, you know, it is interesting because everyone has different like metrics for, for struggle and pain, you know? And yeah. so as for me, like I've always been a very obsessive person. I have a very hard time letting go of certain ideas. I have a very hard time letting things be. I really get caught into like cyclical thought patterns. This is something that has definitely like, I don't know, it affects my it affects me good in good ways and bad ways. It causes me to get very attached to certain things or certain people or places. And all of a sudden, like there's all this extra effort to maintain these things and all this like thought that goes into like the well-being of these things that I get myself attached to. So, you know, I mean, for example, like as a child, I was like madly in love with this girl from sixth grade to 12th grade. This girl never liked me back. 
I did not date anybody else in that time because I felt like it was somehow an injustice to her and like my love for her. <laughs> Who does this as a child? You know what I'm saying? And like, that's just one example, but it's that, like that concept has sort of followed me throughout life. And mm. it, it causes this like, it's, a, it's very difficult for me to sort of settle my brain down. And, you know, I, I would assume a lot of people have a similar problem. And, I, you know, it's not up to me or anyone to, like, measure the way I struggle with this versus the way somebody else does. But it, ha it is something that has made it very difficult for me to give my attention fully to certain things at hand. You know, it, it's something that's gotten in the way of my ability to move on from things, to let things be, and to not try to control things too much. But again it's like these kinds of thoughts that have been a big part of like why i'm doing what i am today like it's just you know mm -hmm. there's it's just this effort to sort of like help people who are also like struggling with thoughts like start struggling with negative thoughts struggling with obsessions and cyclical thinking and are unable to just identify the steps they need to take to start breaking through them so yeah, I mean, it's something that's affected that's affected me a lot. But the thing is, Lance, like, it's a part of who I am. And it, yeah. well, although I like have learned a lot about how to subdue these sorts of things or work with them, it's always going to be who I am. And I think the yeah. greatest gift I've done for myself and the greatest, you know, means that I've been able to grow because of this, you know, these kinds of thinking patterns, is just the acknowledgement that it is a part of who I am. It's you know, it's me. And that it can be used for good things. Like and it can, can help you help you be a better teacher because you've gone through them. Like it's that great. Helps oh, people. of course, there's that. Yeah, yeah. Really? But like it's great for a lot of things. Great for it, it's me. I have great work ethic. Yeah. I'm a very devoted person. Like it, it's it's great in some yeah. ways. And again, like I, I'm now able to see that like it's a it's 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 also a tool that I have. You know, and it doesn't yeah. have to necessarily be like a setback. Absolutely. What do you see as a reason why people struggle? Like what's the, what's the number one thing that you've noticed that what people lack or what they're struggling with in their belief system or I don't know. I mean, I, it's, it's weird. I mean, all the thing is like all struggles sort of, there's like two ways to answer the question. Like, like the thing is like all struggle comes from trauma trauma of one way, trauma of one sort of another. And I think that a lot of people don't really take the time to understand that trauma or to understand, you know, where it started, the effects that it has on them or how to get through it. That's sort of changing now because of all the emphasis on mental health, which is wonderful. But needless to say, we've gone through a lot of time where mental health has not been emphasized and where people are afraid to go to therapy or whatever. Again, that's changing now, but at the same time, like mental health is very hard to measure. And we only really pay attention to things that we that have measurable effects on us. Yeah. You know what I mean? We go to work because we need to get this amount of money and we know that we will. If we have a if we have anxiety, like like I have, you can still function, you still get through the day. So it's easy to just put that on the back burner. You mm. know what I mean? Yeah. So I think the problem is that people are not like making efforts to find calculable calculable ways that their mental health is affecting them and seeking a means to get through that and understanding why it's that way in the first place. So like, yeah, there's this idea of trauma, which everybody has. A lot of people vilify trauma. That's also bad. I think that, you know, it's this idea of feeling bad about feeling bad. That's definitely the, something that holds people back is like they're not only the thoughts they're having, but their commentary about the thoughts they're having saying like, 
this is fucking ruining my life. This needs to stop. No, I'm not going to let myself feel that way this day. Doubles your pain in an instant. Doubles yeah. your pain. So there's that. And I think I'll, you know, and it's, and it's like attachment, you know, every people get attached to things to define like who they are and what's going to make them happy. And that's, that's tough, you know, because if you're always, if you're, if you're putting, you know, your value in something that is not you, you'll never really be satisfied. You'll never be in control or in power of your own life. And if you're, or even if it's like, I don't know, it could be an object. It could be like a fucking car, but it could also just be like, your future version of yourself, your dreams, you know, a lot of people get attached to who they want to become and like the job they're seeking out of the status. That's not even really healthy. Like if, if it's this idea of like happiness is always pushed forward and I'll be happy once I have this thing, it's the same idea. It's just this attachment. It's not, yeah. you know, it's, and like having interest in things or preference towards certain things, like, yeah, it's unavoidable. Of course you will. But the trick is to not, if you are so identified with these things, that's when you're never really that's you know like that's when you're never really going to find that sort of happiness that you might be looking for i think attachment is a big thing everyone has trauma and yeah it's like feeling bad about feeling bad those are those are the things that really hold people back the most in my opinion yeah and what interests me about trauma is that you know like you said we all have gone through it Mm -hmm. but I think it's important to face it and deal with it. But I also think that some people want to spend too much time in that, that pool and they need Mm -hmm. to realize that they aren't that thing anymore. Mm -hmm. And that the more you play around in there and you keep, you like, we get so attached to stories. I had this trauma when I was this age. So like everything in my life now, and this is a lot to do with the way people treat this these days also is just what I've heard and what I've dealt with is that they want to keep revisiting this trauma and I get it. It's it, it affect trauma affects so many different things, addiction, all that kind of stuff. But there there comes a point where it's like, okay, how long are we going to keep, when are we ever going to just move on from that? And when is the, the right time? And that's what I find, you know, because we can sit in that pool of trauma forever and just keep wallowing away in it. Yeah. Right. I mean, or we can at least try to make steps forward. And I, I think that a lot of people just get addicted to that story and yeah. they, that, that I had this, so this is what it's going to be the rest of my life. And I know it's hard. It's hard for me to say because some people don't have the tools to get through that like others, but there comes a time where you got to say, I'm not that, trauma anymore that happened but things have to move i'm you know i need to move on and stop putting my energy into that right yeah i i agree and ideally everyone would would, should be able to do that but you make a great point about like the resources like if people are not like in therapy and or seeking other like very valid means of understanding trauma like they don't really stand a chance of getting through it so it is hard to just think yourself out of because like your brain stores traumatic memories for a reason, you know, it's to keep you safe in similar situations. But yeah, at the same time, like, you know, if you are, if you're not taking the steps, if you're not actively like in therapy or doing whatever you need to do, yeah, you just, you identify yourself with this trauma and it's, it's it's not healthy, but it's also, you know, it's just something that takes effort. And like I said, like, if it's not really taking like a calculable effect on your life, people will put it in the back seat, which is unfortunate. But yeah, it's, it's, it is too bad. And, and the other thing about, I think, 
the other thing about trauma that I think people really don't realize is that it can be a very subtle ongoing thing Yeah. in the sense that like, if you have a story that you tell about yourself based on like something that happened, like, yes, that's unfortunate, of course, but if you're also in an environment that is not sort of harvesting a new belief system and is sort of keeping you in that mindset, yeah. like that's not good either. That's what I mean. That that's exactly yeah. what I mean. It's like yeah. we're, we're that that trauma. I'm not dis, I'm not downplaying that. I think that there if you don't have the tools, it's you can't get out of it. But what I mean is like if you're making the you, you're gonna make progression if you're working yeah. on it. It's just yeah. like I feel like it's almost like when people are addicted to a substance or something. They wanna they wanna keep being that addict, and it's like eventually if you want to get over it, you need to focus your energy away from that thing. Right. And I think sometimes when we're going through this healing, we, we want to go back and keep going back to that story. And I know it's, it's a, it's a tough conversation because people are at different levels of, of dealing with this stuff. But I know myself that the trauma I went through losing loved ones and family, I could sit and think about that and really, you know, start drinking and, and going down a real shitty hole. If I, yeah. if, if, if I didn't have the tools and I wasn't conscious about making progression. Right. Yeah. And it's so easy to go back to that and start to think about our past and what we did yeah. because we feel that's our identity, but there comes a time where you have to take that effort and work on getting out of that. And it's just, it's not yeah. an easy way. It's not easy. Right. Yeah. It's not easy. And you know, it's also, but it's, it's hard to, it's hard to even start on that path. If again, if you're not in an environment that supports that, like if you're around people that have been through the same trauma and you know, but they, they find community in that trauma, if you will, there's no reason, you know, there, there's, there's so little influence for you to get through and doing it on your own is really difficult, you know, without having somebody else in your ear, even reminding you of the possibility of getting through it. So it is difficult. And like, I fuck, you know, I, I hate to say it, but like, I, I, I don't have, I'm not an expert in like the science of genetics, but I do know that genetics play a, like a much larger role than a lot of people think. Like genetics affect our ability to even like rise to the occasion on things like this. Like our genetics can even affect like our values and belief systems. Like, so that being said, somebody could even have a very low genetic inclination to, 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 I I don't know, to like have the willpower to start getting through something. So like at the end of the day, like it's just, it's so hard to put an answer on it. Yeah. You'd like to think that everybody has the decision that they can make to say like, I'm going to start getting through this. But I, I, you know, I, I really do think that some people don't even are not even like genetically strong enough to necessarily do that. So, yeah. And they don't even know that they have, they just think what they're doing is, is just like the norm. They don't realize that the trauma, some people don't even know they have trauma from when they're, you know, that's the crazy part too. Yeah, A lot of people don't even know, aren't aware of what's going on. There's certain, there's certain people that know like, okay, I I need to fix this, but there's some people that are stuck in this loop of the drugs, the alcohol, the sex, that they don't even think that they have an issue. Well, yeah, especially like if they're in, you know, if their behavior is constantly being reinforced, you know, like a sex addict, for example, um, like if they're still 
finding partners that want to have sex with them and they're not really like i don't know they're sort of maybe all of their friends are also like swingers or whatever and nobody is really in a position in their lives to show them like what the other side could be then like their behavior is constantly being reinforced there's not really it's going to take a lot of like personal grievance for them to realize if they ever do realize that something would need to change yeah you know if they're not in situations where people can show them a different way you know but no i mean if you're if your behavior is being reinforced there's no reason to change it it would take a lot of like it would really take a big aha moment and not everybody is fortunate enough to even to to have those to be susceptible to those aha moments that's exactly my point as well for when i was working in the bars for so many years yeah we're all a bunch of it we all drink together so nobody knows it's an issue it's yeah, like it's the norm. Complete. It's like drinking before work, during work. It's like days off. It's like everyone around you is doing it. So there's no reason for you not to because that's the norm. Yeah. Until it's you step gonna... outside of that and realize right. that's not the norm. Exactly. Like if one yeah. of those guys goes home, guys, I don't know. Like if one of those people goes home and starts to realize like how terrible their family life is or, or whatever, like until yeah. they have an experience that really shows them that that value of theirs needs to change. No reason for it to change. Yeah. You know, and not everybody, you know, has those experiences depending on how much they saturate themselves in that lifestyle. Yeah. And you like to hope that you don't, you know, the universe will keep teaching you that lesson and it'll probably get harder and harder until it's like a bad lesson. Right. And we we hope that we, our intuition that we can sort of pick up on that before it hits the rock bottom. But yeah. But the way it is nowadays, I feel like people need to hit that rock bottom sometimes. And it's trick. It's tough. It's tough. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it, yeah. I mean that rock bottom again. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's just an experience that teaches you the other side, you know? And yeah, I mean, it, again, if you, but if you do have a more sort of balanced life, balanced social circles, balanced activities, you, you don't really run the risk for going down a certain, you know, too far down a certain path you don't run as much of a risk, which is great because you're constantly being exposed to the other side, how other people are living, how you function in different environments. So yeah, I mean, it sort of goes, it cycles back to this idea of uh, maintaining balance in one's life. But yeah, I mean, it's, I, yeah, I'm sure you have a lot of like really relevant stories for this as somebody who's worked as a bartender. Um, Man, I was right, in the, right in the mix of it all. I've, I've yeah. seen, I've seen, seen it all. I've seen just, you know, but the community in like a bar is so strong, you know? It's amazing. Like, it was some of the best, right. best friends, most fun I've ever had in my life. Right? Right, so there's, yeah, so why leave that? That's what yeah. That's for, well, you know? it's all fun and games when you gotta, when you're out and then you gotta get up and, and, and function, you know? Exactly. It's, exactly. it's got a shelf life, that, that lifestyle. And although it's fun, you meet a lot of people and look there, it was, it was very fun, but it's, there's a toxic vibe to it that, you don't, nobody really talks about. And a lot of yeah. times bartenders were kind of like the ones that I were kind of like the misfits that didn't want, didn't like the other, the other roads that we were really going on. Right. It was like, we we're, I didn't want to do other jobs, but I enjoyed people and I enjoyed drinking. So I was like, Oh, this works. And yeah. that's kind of how it's kind of how it all, it all sort of formed down this path. And I feel like a yeah. lot of people kind of get into it with another intention, but they sort of get sucked into it because it's mm-hmm. becomes 
you're making this money, you're having fun, you're getting the yeah. girl or the guy, and all of a sudden, yeah. you're like, you're pretty much living a rock star lifestyle next down from being a celebrity or pro athlete in some mm-hmm. some It's craziness, man. Yeah. But at the same time, it's got its lessons. It's got its... Yeah it's real hard lessons. You hit a certain age and you realize, all right, well, what, what, what's going on here? You know, if you're lucky enough to have that self-awareness, I would think that some people don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if everybody gets to that point. I would hope they do. I think some people are maybe just less communicative of it or resist it more, but you would think when ask themselves those questions at some point, right? You would think you just get so, yeah, I don't know. But then your, your circle of friends becomes that and it just becomes you, right? So you, yeah, it's tough. You have to make the decision. Like I quit, when I did, I quit drinking for a year and I just, my priorities changed yeah. when I was running a bar. I was running a bar sober and then I just decided to quit drinking. And during that year, I was like, I don't want to run bars anymore. I don't, That's I just, tough. yeah, it was crazy. And then, you know, I still enjoyed the human side of the connection side, but I didn't enjoy the the drunk part of it and and everything that went with it it's it's crazy how you how when you want to get out of a situation you 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 can but it's tough right because your values have to change your daily habits have to change Mm -hmm. and they have to align with what you want to do your the new thing you want to do they can't be aligned with with the old thing right so right yeah you have to make lifestyle change without question but yeah making the right changes starts with assessing your values like you said you know it's and if people are not taking the time to really consider what they want outside of this life or or outside of the life they're living rather and they don't really assess their values then like yeah i mean a lot of a lot of the reasons people are unhappy a lot of the reason people are unhappy is because their lifestyle is not in line with what they actually care about it's a good point that's that's where things sort of go haywire. And I mean, you could argue that all the time you spend is spent the way you want to and like spent on values. But yeah, I mean, like people have maybe strong values that they don't wish they had. So it's I guess it's really about choosing the values that you want to live by. Because like if somebody who, yeah, I don't know, like somebody drinking a lot, like, yeah, that's probably a value of theirs. Alcohol, yeah. big value, spending so much time on it. But if they were to really assess the values they want to have, alcohol is probably is not one of them. But yeah, you, you get what I'm saying. Which goes back to a lot of times trauma. <laughs> totally. For, for yeah. me, I was, I, was, I was drinking away because to feel, to not feel that feeling. And, but our society is so programmed to cater to these, these gaps we're trying to fill, whether it be through temptation through you know whatever it may be food drink sex and that's the norm it's it's like they prey on us to find those things instead of going within and healing our in us from inside out it's like well no this thing will give you that no this thing will give you that this car will give you that and it's just this belief that this thing will give us what we're actually looking for and going without those things are we're actually going to heal you (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, without question. I mean, and I, like going without those things is something is like a process you want to ease into. Like a yeah. huge life change can be a lot, but like, yeah, I mean, and I think when you do look at trauma in those ways and like people's or negative behavior in those ways, like it shines a whole new level of like sympathy. Like for example, say you say you look at like a, like a child molester, right? Yeah. Say a child molester, as when they grew up, 
maybe they were like uh, when he when that child molester was in like seventh grade, he was sort of like bullied into molesting like a younger kid by his friends, right? Mm -hmm. That's like a that's a time in your life when like all of your sexual desires and stuff are sort of coming to fruition. Strong memories are being formed, and that person is forced to do this, get significance from doing this by their friends. That's a really fucking hard cycle to break if that's yeah. like a strong or recurring theme in your childhood. And all of a sudden this person grows up to be a child molester because of this trauma that happened to them, the significance that it brought them. And it's a tough cycle to break. Yeah. You know, just yeah. like mentally, if like that, you know, you like your early sexual experiences, like, so all of a sudden you like, you have a child molester who's like value is molesting children. I apologize if this is getting off the rails or a little too graphic here, but it's an example of how like people that engage in like, horrible behavior it all stems from you know this level of value that they get from a past trauma or the a value yeah. that is determined by a past trauma like yeah. in the like that's why you can't like whether it's like a child molester or just somebody who's at a bar you it is very irresponsible to just start vilifying people vilifying people for their behavior it's not yeah. progressive at all you have to understand that like you know people are not always choosing their values yeah and it's hard to break from negative values if you if that makes sense yeah no for sure and and that's the thing is all this stuff stems back to some sort of event and yeah it's it's definitely yeah. it's definitely challenging and you know people need help man people need help and they can't yeah. do it themselves and yeah. that's just the reality of it right it's yeah and it i mean that's the thing is like it's just the self-awareness that they need to address it and mm. I don't know, man. I'm no expert. I just, you know, I know that uh, all you can do is understand where you're at, try to make better choices and try and fix, try and find help wherever you can. Right. And if that means reading books, if that means, I don't know, following people that have what you want, or I don't know. I just, I think you need to start making small steps in order to improve, you know, how yeah. you're feeling or whatever situation you're in. So I don't Small know, step is definitely right. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Like smoothly transitioning into a new life, experimenting with things. It builds momentum. Just taking that action builds momentum. It's great. But yeah, you don't necessarily have to. This is a thing that I think people, I would love for people to take away from this interview is that to make changes, you don't have to completely fucking like upheave your life. It doesn't need to be like this huge dramatic change where like, nope, this friend needs to go. Nope, I need to do this totally different. Just very small changes in the direction that you want to go in things that you can do in you know in a minute literally a minute these things start to compound upon themselves you get momentum they supplement and all of a sudden after a long time of small changes your life is very different so this change that people want it is not this big monster and if these pe and you know and if you are in that situation and you can really look at it you know from the small step by step picture rather than the big picture it's more than manageable. It's more yeah. than manageable. It just takes some effort and just takes, you know, a, a, a start. What's your daily routine look like? <laughs> uh, let me think. I, I don't know. I wake up <laughs> around 8.30. I meditate right away. I try to anyway. Yeah, I do my teeth brushing and all that. And then I go, I get to work. I, so, you know, I'm self-employed. I'm, I'm just doing all of my, my coaching and podcasts and video stuff now. So, I try to be start being productive by nine when everyone else is. I usually go. There's a I live in I live in Smithfield, Rhode Island, and there we have Bryant University, 
which has a beautiful campus. So I just go to their library and get work done. And yeah, I just, I just kind of plug away and until like, you know, five or six or whenever I feel I've gotten my things done. And after that, I go to the, you know, I go to the gym where I play hockey during the week every day. I try to see friends at night. Like one thing I've learned recently is just during the last few years, is just like how immensely valuable it is to have a lot of, a lot of social interaction, especially with friends. I mean, it's like communities, relationships yeah. are truly the most important thing. So I always try to make time for that. So I, yeah, I have a little bit of a routine, but I also try to shake things up a little bit, if you will. You play hockey. I play hockey too. You do? Yeah. Did you, Uh, where'd you, where'd you play? Did you play uh, junior or anything? No, no. I just, just, I played soccer a lot as a kid. Uh, Soccer, my, you know, I was playing like D1 in high school and all that. So that Uh, sort of take more time. Yeah. But I still play hockey twice a week now. Thanks, man. it's the best. Like it's, yeah. it's so much fun and I, I'd be doing myself a disservice to not make time for it. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's the best. It's, it's funny in the States cause there's certain States where you guys play a lot more hockey and some don't. Play oh hockey. yeah. I yeah, guess it's all weather, weather based, right? I mean, where right. it's got snow. Yeah, then, exactly. But so then California is getting bigger too now. Now it is. Yeah. Well, ever since Wayne Gretzky went to the Kings, California's yeah. gotten bigger, but I was like, yeah, I lived. I mean, look at Vegas years. too. It's getting, it's blowing up. <laughs> I'm a big Caps fan and I went to see the Caps win in Vegas. I went oh, did you? It was Crazy. probably the best moment of my hockey existence. Yeah. It was incredible. But yeah, I mean, it's definitely growing. You see the game growing. I personally, like, I don't know, like the guys now, they have to do all these like weird, like media things. Like, I don't know. I feel like if I was one of the boys now, I'd probably be annoyed by it. But like, yeah. I guess some of them are better suited for us than others. But yeah, hockey's getting bigger everywhere here. It, obviously, like up here where I am in New England and of course, like Michigan, North Dakota, where yeah, they have like, you guys like, are, hockey, yeah. hockey. It's, it's might the as best. Well be one thing that I wish America had more of that is very prevalent in Canada is the outdoor rinks everywhere. Yeah. I mean, that must be so cool. Um, well, so cool. I grew up with that. But I grew up in Edmonton, so I'm an Oilers fan. Okay. But I moved out to the West Coast when I was about 11. So in Vancouver, I'm in Vancouver. So we have the yeah. same weather as Seattle. We don't get the outdoor rinks here, which sucks. It's weird, yeah. Vancouver. But you're right. The outdoor rinks are I, – I, dude, I used to grow up. I played on those things for yeah. hours. My parents would have yeah. to, like, drag me off because I was just obsessed <laughs> with it. After yeah. school, I literally played till 10 every night, man. Like, it's That's crazy. The, dude, I did the same thing. That's how like, you get good. That's yeah, exactly, get, yeah. 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 But you're right, though. Vancouver is like a weird – it's not really a very hockey-conducive environment. No. No, and the fans aren't very – they're very fair-weather fans. They're very, like, if they're winning, they're fans. And if they're yeah. losing, they're, they don't – it's crazy. Yeah, Vancouver right. does not have a good reputation, like their fan base, <laughs> especially after that whole thing. But didn't they like trash the city when the Bruins beat them? You know, I love the city. It's an amazing city. It's just as far as the sports goes, it's a bit, it's a bit of yeah. a weird thing. And yeah, there was a riot after. And yeah. I was actually working on, on the main street, Granville Street at a bar. Oh, you and were? It was insane, man. It was like, there was cars, there's like a street, couple blocks away there were cars getting lit on fire flipped over yeah. like craziness as you probably saw in the news people looting like normal yeah. like this isn't like the ghetto this is like middle of the city and yeah. i remember looking outside the bar i was at and and everybody was getting tear gassed 
and they're running away from the tear gas and it literally looked like a zombie movie man Jeez. people were like get me out of here like it was crazy and you go outside and it was just like this like it was just i don't know man it was yeah. the darkest weirdest smokiest time and yeah it was really it was really terrible to see because the canucks had such a wicked playoff run i mean i yeah. paid off like two credit cards from that run like i made so, <laughs> so much cash yeah. from 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 just like working you know 12 hour days every day That's funny. and going through that but what a time and yeah i mean they are the fans here will support them when they're winning but generally if not they'll just throw a lot of them under the bus a lot of the good yeah. players and, well they did that when they're winning too but i don't know man i don't know i guess it has to do with the weather i guess people people gravitate you know when i was in australia the same thing like you know people don't care about winter sports in hot places yeah of course or when there's not snow so yeah but now i I do have a question like in edmonton are they i mean i feel like you know edmonton's like it's like a pretty it's a pretty blue collar place right yeah yeah. the fans are pretty devout i i would like obviously things are looking up in edmonton now with david and dry (laughs) finally (laughs) yeah yeah, you think but are the fans have the fans been pretty like they're diehards they're diehards so even before McDavid came around, bro, like they've been the Oilers fans. It's it's what they got. They've always they'll they'll shit talk, obviously, but they'll always be they're they're always full. They're always true Oilers yeah. fans. That's why for me, I grew up there, so I've always been an Oilers fan, even in the the dark times. Right? It's been yeah, tough. it's been tough, but yeah, no, it's a good hockey city, man, for sure. That's, That's cool that you play, man. That's cool. I love it. It's the best. Yeah, I'm playing. I'm going to get my skate sharpened as soon oh, as we nice. have. <laughs> Yeah. Awesome, bro. Where can everybody find you, man? Well, my website is gregaudino.com, G-R-E-G-A-U-D-I-N-O. My Instagram is simply greggles, S-I-M-P-L-Y-G-R-E-G-G-L-E-S. The, the podcast, which I will probably yeah. be up by the time this episode drops, is called Optimal Living Advice, one of the podcasts under Optimal Living Daily. Definitely check both out. That's a good place to send in questions to for me if, or, you know, if they want a question answered. Or if anybody wants to do coaching with me, I offer a free session. Anybody who's curious, they can contact me through uh, my website. So, uh, yeah, those are probably the best places. All my videos are on the site. They're on YouTube and stuff as well. But I think my website is the big hub for everything. Yeah. Awesome, man. All right. Great, man. So what is one, one lesson that you've learned from, from overcoming adversity? What has it taught you? What has <laughs> adversity taught you? Oh, Jesus. So I, I think I sort of alluded to it before. Yeah. Just, you cannot be attached to things. You know what I mean? There has to be this. I always, you know, like I said, have your goals, have your desires, have your dreams. It's natural, but do not be so attached to them that you rely on them for happiness. Yeah. You know, it, so it, it's, it's basically this ability to balance future hope with current contentment it can definitely coexist. They are definitely, they sound like the antitheses of one another but they can coexist. And I think that's uh, something everyone should should strive for. Awesome, man. I appreciate you coming on, dude. Yeah. Great conversation. I'm excited to hear your podcast. We'll have to, by the time this comes out, it'll be, it should be up. So awesome. This will be a few weeks away, but yeah, man, we'll have everything for everybody to check you out in the show notes and appreciate you, dude. Yeah. I appreciate you, Lance. Thanks for having me. I had a good time. My pleasure, man. Greg Odino, everybody. Thanks, everybody. Make sure to check out Greg, Simply Greggles on Instagram. Check out his podcast. We'll have everything in the show notes for you to find out more about him. 
Lots of fun in that conversation. I hope you guys have a great day. Hope you got lots of value. Leave us a review if you can. Share with a friend. Appreciate it. Have an amazing day, everybody. You just finished another class at the University of Adversity. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button and tune in again next time for more life lessons with Lance ECOs.